During my expedition, I discovered a hidden land filled with prehistoric flora and fauna, including several species of dinosaur and man apes. That's shocking! I'm disgusting of unbelievable! Do you have any photographic evidence? Photos? No. I've brought a specimen. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name is Adam. My name is Jeremy. And we're here to discuss X-Men number 63, the December 1969 issue, titled War in the World Below. This issue uh, being written in 1969 is, and, and this episode coming out in December, I mean, it's like, you know, cosmic that yeah, was man. i'm trying to do math quickly in my head what was that like 77 years ago no 47 years no 57 years ago right oh, 19 uh, you're gonna make me do math 30 no 31 40 f- f- I, jesus it's 2012 so we need to take 1969 away from 2012 and that will tell us what a remainder is so if it was 70, it would be 30. Add 12, it would be 42. Add another one because it's 69, and you have 43. So 43 years ago, this month, this issue hit newsstands everywhere. And now you have a little insight into the education of Jeremy and Adam. Hey, I, I just, yeah. I'm literally here. I've got an abacus that I'm clicking back and forth. like <laughs> Carry the two. I didn't even try. Click, 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 click. <laughs> Uh, I just that was just an aside because I'm 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 you know gleefully waiting for the comic to enter the 70s because I assume that the next the very next issue everyone's going to be wearing bell bottoms and doing disco. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do want to say one thing about this issue, like I don't I don't know if it's because I'm 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 growing weary of the year 2012 or just the X Men in general, but I I read this issue, but it was very difficult for me to like process and retain the information therein i don't know if you had the same problem adam there wasn't a whole lot to process here i don't think i had much of a problem with it okay maybe i'm maybe i'm just overanalyzing because i kind of put down the issue and i'm like okay so the major takeaways were what and i really couldn't come up with anything so i'm a little worried that there might be a lot of ums and uhs as i try to describe stuff as i'm like yeah i don't know it's just yeah I want to recall this. Um, so we have Magneto in his full Magneto garb on the front cover with a dreidel, I guess because Magneto's Jewish, with a lady inside the dreidel. Is it Marvel Girl? It must be because she is not on the cover. It's either Marvel Girl or Angel because Angel is also not on the cover. Angel doesn't have that kind of a figure. Well, you never know. Maybe he puts a skirt on and puts like a, a, one of those girdle things on to really pull his waist together. Um, this is like the 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 ideal feminine silhouette here. It really looks like a fifties mom though, because she's kind of got that 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 shoulder length hair that kind of whips up by the shoulders, and then of course that figure and the little mini skirt. Those childbearing hips. Oh yeah, yeah. She's she's had a couple of children. This one, or she's ready <laughs> to have children. I don't know which, but. Uh... Yeah, as we mentioned, Mar- Marvel Girl and Angel are not on the cover. It's Cyclops, Iceman, Beast, and Kesar. I like Cyclops in this cover. He's reeling back and shooting in the air while covering his face. He's also very muscular. Yeah, that's yeah. Neil Neil Adams is very into muscles. Um, there's one and asses. <laughs> he does like. Well, we do get a nice shot of Beast and Iceman's ass here. <laughs> um, there is one other hero who's missing from this cover who may be inside that dreidel. Adam, do you know who that could possibly be? Was he in the last issue? He was. You're never going to guess it, so I'm just going to tell you. Zabu? Oh, darn it. You did get it. <laughs> Maybe it's Zabu that's in that dreidel. He, he, he's a shapeshifter, and he turns into <laughs> Zabu is actually a 50s mom. Zabu is the changeling. There you go. Oh, my gosh. Now, that, that would have been a story. Well, all right. Let's open this thing up. We, uh, we open with a mighty page of Magneto back to his... Uh, usual maniacal self getting away from the whole creator aspect he had personality last issue with thought i mean he was less by oh, they shall not know what's coming for i am the one who will be destroying everything and he kind of he kind of goes back to that style of speaking 
here. Yeah, he seemed like a regular guy, but now he's all blah, the high flying angel on his way to do battle with his fellow X Men and Kesar, and hardly suspecting that the one he seeks to protect is Magneto. Dun, dun, dun. It's a story worthy only of the following creative team of Stanley in the editing chair, Roy Thomas writing, Neil Adams drawing, Tom Palmer embellishing, and Sam Rosen, who is providing our letters. Off in the bottom corner, we see Magneto's famed helmet uh, just sitting there. And on the TV screen in front of Magneto, we see Angel doing what looks like some sort of Olympic dive. Yeah, it's a triangular TV, which is kind of weird. It's generally not how tube televisions work. Or maybe it's a maybe it's a perspective thing. I can't quite tell. Yeah, it's like a uh, like a dentist light. Or a wedge of cheese. <laughs> if <laughs> if the big side of the wedge had a TV screen in it. That's deep, man. That's deep. <laughs> so Magneto, or the creator, or whoever the hell he is, is sitting at uh, once again another very modern computerized terminal with you know, various levels of technology. Um, it almost kind of looks like his chair is floating. Can't quite tell, though, because there's a bunch of text below it. Um, and he's talking about how he is um, minutes or within the hour, he's going to create the ultimate mutant. Because I guess as the story goes, he has been using his knowledge to create mutants out of these Savage Land folks. Well, we'll get a we'll get a minor flashback in a few pages. Yeah, we get some detailed information about to most men crumbling or scrambling to and from their petty pursuits. This nameless continent beneath the polar ice cap is nothing but a whispered rumor. Blah 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 blah. So basically, <laughs> he just kind of like insulted everybody reading the comic book, saying, "Right, I noticed that <laughs> you are just dealing with your petty pursuits, while these people." And then it just goes on to talk about the Savage Land and blah blah blah. Angel approaches the running, the four remaining and uh, running X-Men as well as Kesar and Zebu. Zebu. But the X-Men immediately question, well, wait, how do we know that's Angel? He looks like Angel from back here because he's flying and he's blonde, but he's got a different costume. Is last it... time we left Angel, he was on the sofa in chains. Yeah. This can't be Angel, despite looking like it's Angel. So while the X-Men just kind of argue about who could this uh, blonde-haired, costumed, uh, winged person be, uh, Kesar says, well, the X-Men can watch and the X-Men can wait. But that is not the, the way. The X-Men can watch. The X-Men can wait. That is not the way of Kesar. Yes. He and then he breaks a tree and hits Angel with the tree. He operates by the law of the jungle. He who waits for the cobra to speak shall never hear the babbling brook. Whatever that means. what that means. means. <laughs> it's a French proverb. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so he not only does Angel get hit by the tree, but as he's coming down towards Kesar, Kesar punches him in the face. At which Angel says, hold it! And the other X-Men realize, oh, oh, we recognize his voice. That is Angel. Kesar, stop! <laughs> That's our buddy. And then Kesar's, we before. Kesar's like, well, if that's true, then we've got no interest in him. Let's go. <laughs> Come, Zebu. So they recognize his voice, which brings up the point that last time Magneto, well, maybe not last time, but one of the last times that Magneto attacked the X-Men, they recognized him by his voice, which makes me wonder, why didn't Angel recognize him by his voice? Well, perfectly clear explanation for that, because... Magneto's creator voice goes something like this. I am the creator. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he's pulling the Christian Bale. Exactly. That's his disguise voice. <laughs> I have rescued you. You were almost dead, but I saved you. I did a cellular transport. Maybe that's his Magneto voice. <gasps> he his, his calm, regular Bruce Wayne voice. Hello, I saved you from the brink of death. I'm the, going? I'm the creator, and I, we need to stop the X-Men. I'm wondering if you could help a little bit, you know, take on these Savage Land people. Sure, mister. Little does he know I'm Magneto. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Iceman stops Angel to uh, to try and explain what, what happened to him, how he got there, and, and Angel says he'll give it the old college try, and we get a flashback where he died, or was pronounced D-O-A, dead on arrival, he explains. And that's where the creator guy comes. He, uh, he rescues Angel, revives him, sews him up a brand new costume, and uh, he... Angel thinks that he's performing the duties of Professor X on the Savage Land. Mm-hmm. So, so we got to help him, guys. Mm-hmm. And the X-Men are like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's help him. Let's, let's help him. Wait, Kazar, come on. <laughs> but now we can't catch Kazar. Oh, man. Kazar is running off as he, I guess, typically likes to do, huh? It's Kazar's way. Running. Well, it's his only superpower, right? Or does he even really have a superpower? Is he just... He's got super strength. That's it. And uh, super Frenchiness. So uh, he takes off towards a huge boulder, and by that boulder are some barbarians or something. Well, he he, he he's uh, he's headed the direction that Angel came in because he figures that's where the creator is. Oh, right. And then uh, Gaza, the blind giant whom the creator taught to mentally see, right, gets the jump on him and punches him in the face. And who packs roughly the wallop of a supercharged, what does yours say? XKE. What is an XKE? It's got to be a car based on uh, Iceman's next comment, which is maybe so, but even an XKE can end up with a dent in its chrome. Okay. Huh. All right. So I'm, I'm imagining it's like a super hot 60s car. Sure. So out of nowhere, uh, Amphibious, or whatever the heck his name was, he comes jumping in and slams Beast into the ground by using his super-powered frog legs. And then he claps. (laughs) He does. You have done very well, Angel, very well indeed. Clap, clap, clap. You have delayed our enemies. You shall be richly rewarded. Uh, Meanwhile, Kesar's like, do you see the truth? Look at them. They're trying to get us. Uh, the Birdman is a viper, oh, a viper in our midst, a viper who betrayed us. So Kesar is pointing off to Angel saying, look, he led the bad guys to us. And Angel's kind of like... But I didn't. Cyclops says, we believe you, X-Man. Iceman. But it turns out that, in fact, uh, Amphibious and Kesar are right, and there's a giant army waiting to attack them. This is where the barbarians come, and they've got, like, this big wooden fence behind them, and they got spears and hammers and stuff. It's crazy. Kesar is a little excited. Those who attack are not strange ones, but bestial swamp men. They are enemies that Kesar can fight and defeat. Beast decides... Uh, well, Beast asks if a Cyclops can decimate their ranks. Asks if he can divide their ranks by ten. Well, for that's what decimate means. <laughs> but uh, Cyclops says, no, I can't because uh, I don't have a clear shot. He might hit um, Kesar or Beast. But as soon as Beast and Kesar clear the way, maybe then Cyclops can, <coughs> maybe then Cyclops can fire. Then we get an action panel of Kesar and Beast slamming a bunch of dudes. How is yours colored? Mine's only got like three colors in it. Yeah, it's like light blue. Dark blue, well, Black. kind of dark blue. Yeah, okay. Red. Yeah, so it's kind of like a, I would call it a silhouette picture, but it's not really a silhouette. It'd be like if um, you wanted to illustrate a whole bunch of people fighting at dusk, I think. Yes. Yeah. 24 so, hours later. <laughs> 24 hours later, Beast and Kesar are, are still fighting. Uh, and that's about all there is to say about that page. Kesar's all like, I don't need any help. And Beast's all like, yeah, I know, but I'm helping you anyway. And that's where Barbarus comes in. And he's the dude, if you guys don't remember, who has four arms. Indeed. And he um, is handily defeated by Beast, who basically kicks him, grabs two of his arms, and punches him in the face. Angel's is kind of like, well, the X-Men are doing all right, and I feel like a complete tool. So I'm going to go try and stop the creator or at least find out what, what's up with him. That creator saved my life. And then he tried to turn me into a murderer. 
and I'm going to make him pay for that or die trying. Despite the fact that last issue, he was like, I'll help you no matter what, even if I have to fight the X-Men. Well, not only that, but he thinks all of that except for, or die trying, he screams (laughs) above the heads of uh, the people fighting who look up and be like, what? (laughs) Were you thinking something before you said that part? Because out of context, it makes no sense. Too true. Uh, Seconds later, apparently, uh, Angel is back at the creator's lair, and nobody's there. But he hears some voices, which he now recognizes. No, just kidding. Uh, (laughs) Hey, that sounds like Magneto. (laughs) He hears voices and follows them to see that the creator and brainchild Mm. are talking about uh, the mutant that they have, have just created. We are a great... We are a great team, you and I. I turned you into a mutant, and now we create them together. As you wish, master. <laughs> then that's the secret you've been hiding. Y- you don't search for mutants at all. You create them out of captured savages. So, you know at last. Still, you don't know the whole truth, X-Men. It's time you learn who I really am. Magneto! I knew it was. I hear your voice now. (laughs) So the creator reveals that he. He reveals that indeed he is actually Magneto and not a Professor X like do gooder has previously thought. But Angel. But Jeremy, we saw Magneto die. I know. And Angel also says, but you're dead. I saw you die. And Magneto goes into a tale about how he knew that he was unable to defeat uh, the Avengers and the X-Men. And I just want to point out a little editing snafu. Uh, Magneto says, I hurtled headlong into the swirling sea asterisk. The asterisk refers to issue number 53. So if you're used to reading comic books, you would say, oh, that must have happened in X-Men number 53. But if you flip to X-Men number 53, you will find that that is the Blast Star story. They are actually referring to Avengers number 53, but they don't actually say Avengers. Yep. Stupid Stan. <laughs> uh, but anyways, he knew he couldn't beat both teams, so he, uh, I guess he chose to dive into the ocean. But I thought we saw Beast kind of, like, kick him down. I don't remember what happened. Like, they were both trying to uh, get No, to... it was Toad. Toad, Toad oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Down. Yeah, Toad. Like, they were both trying to get to the uh, Escape Magna Car or whatever it was. And, uh, you know, Magneto was giving Toad a hard time. And, and then finally Magneto's like, Toad, you got to help me. And he's like, no, you can never talk to me again like that. And he kicked him or something like that. And that's when Magneto fell to presumably yes. his death. But he used his magnetic, magnetic powers to burrow down to safety because that's that's uh how <laughs> well you we'll s- never know well you see the ocean uh is made out of magnetic particles which <laughs> magneto can control so maybe he like cored into some iron ore yeah yeah so uh, once he got underground he found a series of caverns uh, and the caverns were uh alloy rich uh, honeycombs, basically, that he could kind of... Um, he describes them as caverns beyond the power of homo sapiens to conceive. I, I doubt that's true. Yeah. A, a man couldn't be down there and be like, hey, holy crap, this is a cave filled with iron ore. This is amazing. No, it's... Oh, my mind is gone. I don't know what I'm looking at. My I'm mind... so confused. I don't even know where I am. I, I can't conceive of this. This is inconceivable. <laughs> so he uh, starts exploring this rich alloy cave, and uh, as he explores them, it reaches a he re- it reaches the Savage Land. And once he re- reached the Savage Land, he vowed to make it his own, which is precisely what he's playing, which he's doing now. And after he conquers the Savage Land, he's going to conquer the Service World with the mutants that he's creating from the Savage Land. He points. At something, to which Angel responds, what are you pointing at, man? Something in that glowing sphere. Something that, no, it can't be. And from the looks on Angel's eyes, it's Sauron. I would agree. But it's not Sauron. Adam, spoilers. Oh, we'll cut that out. Oh, what I want to know is um, Magneto travels to the Savage Land accidentally, and that's fine. We've, we've We've determined that 
Tierra del Fuego is what n- north of uh, Antarctica, or it was close, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, uh, I think we've established that the Savage Land doesn't have much in the way of technology. I mean, it's savage, right? Yeah. I mean, Caesar uh, uh, runs around in a loincloth, and all of these swamp people or whatever they're they're fighting with um, rock axes and such. So what I want to know is where did Magneto get all of this technology? And let's not forget that he's wearing all these tubes on him that somebody he would have had to, like, you know, obviously Magneto can probably get the metallic resources because he's got the control of magnetism. But somebody would need to design and do schematics and forge this metal and attach it and wire it. And we probably Jeremy, one of Magneto's secondary mutations is to always have weird technology around. But I thought his second mutation was to be able to read people's minds. No, that's his third <laughs> and soon to be forgotten mutation. <laughs> oh. Hmm. All right. I'll just keep moving on, I suppose. <laughs> it seems that uh twenty four hours later have passed and the X Men have finished off the uh well, Beast and Kazar have finished off the uh, remaining Savage Land bad guys. And um, it looks like the rest of the X-Men didn't help. Nope. So then Beast cries, let's go, X-Men! And then um, we get a strange panel of, like, Iceman patting his own ass and Cyclops and Beast <laughs> reaching to grab Iceman's ass. <laughs> yeah, wow. And the perspective is so weird. <laughs> uh, Iceman looks twice as small as beast because beast is in the background and he's huge Iceman's in the foreground and he's teeny he looks like a little elf and what's going on with his leg there it turns into like hashtags um like his leg if you follow the artwork up goes into his chest and where, oh, yeah. where the where the muscle would be is just a bunch of hashtags you're right it it looks like his leg is like not, it looks like his leg is not attached at all to his body. It's very strange. Yeah, I mean, it, his leg, like where his um, uh, hip would meet his, uh, well, his hip bone would connect to his whatever bone the the whatever bone the hip goes to, um, is like six inches separated, <laughs> and then a whole bunch of black hashes, as you're mentioning, connecting it all. I wonder if that's Tom Palmer being like, I don't know what Neil did here, but I'm just gonna cover it up. <laughs> yeah probably okay maybe there's like a big ice penis behind it tom's (laughs) like no this ain't gonna fly i'm gonna cover it up (laughs) so anyways yeah that's a crazy picture that's gotta be yeah that'll definitely be on the web page because that's just there's just so much craziness going on i think neil adams fell asleep while he was drawing this one (laughs) it almost looks like this looks like he's shooting hoops He's doing like a, a Kareem Ali Oop uh, uh, move, but you know, if if I could get a plastic molding of Iceman in this pose, I would totally put him on the hood of my car and make him a hood ornament. <laughs> I mean, because he just looks, yeah, he just looks like he should be right there. Crazy. Anyways, uh, yeah, so uh, Iceman makes a giant ice slide uh, to take him to the creator's wooden lair, I guess. Which somehow is supposed to make it seem like the X-Men are traveling faster, I think. But really, logically, the only one who would be traveling any faster is Iceman. The rest of the X-Men and Kesar still have to, like, run on the ice slide, which would make it actually slower. Well, yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, Beast fell off. (laughs) Marvel Girl. Marvel Girl in eleven pages of comic book has yet to say a single word, and she, I think she's only been drawn about twice. I, I I don't remember having seen her in this issue. Hmm. I'm looking back. Okay. Marvel Girl. Okay, she's the last time we saw her is on page three. Okay, what was she doing on page three? She's running towards Angel. Ah, uh, yes. She's also on page two, pointing at Angel. Oh, and on, on page two, she also said, "No, Kesar, wait! It's one of us, the angel." So she gets, <laughs> she got a line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's all Roy Thomas is willing to give her at this point. What do you want, Stan? She's just a girl. Oh, but she'll she'll come back in this issue. Okay, in the second half. Oh yeah. 
So uh, Cyclops blasts away at the front door or something like that. And um, yeah. And then behind the front door is a um, another mutant who um, I had to look from the last issue, but this is Lupo, whose power was mysterious connection to beasts. It kind of looks like he's screaming like um, Banshee, but out of the scream comes a whole bunch of wolves, and I can't tell if they're illusions. No, they're not no, they're illusions. Real. They're real. But I can't tell um, if Lupo turned What I can't tell these. is if they're... Did they come out of his mouth? Yeah, or did he just call them? I don't know. His mouth open as if he's calling something, but what? I guess I would say he's calling the wolves. Yeah. Okay. There's our answer, Bobby and Jeremy. Wolves. <laughs> Iceman freezes one of their heads. Cyclops blasts one in the face. Kesar yells for his buddy. Zebu. Zebu. <laughs> Zebu shows up and essentially chases away all the wolves. Enough, Zebu. Another of this strange one has failed to stop us. Hooray! <laughs> so they enter the creator's fortress and. They head towards the tower. Big door. Yeah, just a big door that's kind of inside. It's like a big stone castle um, that they're heading towards. And, and uh, Cyclops smashes the door open, and it's revealed that Amphibious and Brainchild are waiting behind. And uh, apparently Brainchild doesn't talk a lot. He says, you know that I rarely speak unless spoken to, but... If you strike the 17th stone on the nearest corner of the nearest column, you will attain physical victory over the invaders. I can say no more. <laughs> Stupid, creepy mutant. <laughs> Amphibious understands that, yeah, you don't, you don't need to say anymore, man, because, like, every time you say something, it creates results. So he kicks the 17th stone of the nearest corner of the nearest column, and the X-Men are like, what's that amphibian dude doing? Well, he doesn't and, uh, he, he doesn't even just like jump up and hit that stone. He decides that he needs to run through this crazy ricochet move to get to that 17th stone. He, he's like a... <laughs> and uh, that causes a huge avalanche in which uh, Iceman can't get a shield up in time. <laughs> That's what all the ladies say. And... Uh, that's what Zelda says. <laughs> Marvel Girl replies. Marvel Girl is like, just like a male that thinks that he only only he can meet a crisis. How about giving a poor, helpless little girl a chance? And she saves all their asses. Yep. Um. Do you think Amphib or a Brainchild set up that seventeenth loose stone or whatever to be like the linchpin of this whole castle? Probably. <laughs> okay. One day I will use the 17th stone. It would be amazing. One day this is going to work out. It's going to be awesome. And I'll go tell the creator. Beast grabs Amphibious by the foot, who's like, let me go hit him instead. Brain and, uh, Child hurls one of his stone axes towards the X-Men. You will get far worse than that. You will find that Brain Child can do more than speak. He can act. With perhaps matchless accuracy. Perhaps. Perhaps. But we'll never know, will we, Brainchild? Because Cyclops shoots it, and it, it doesn't hit anybody. And then Iceman pelts Brainchild with a with an ice ball. <laughs> I don't know, man. It looks very phallic in this picture. <laughs> he says it's an, he even says it's an ice ball. Yeah, but it looks like a big phallus in the first panel and it hits him like a big phallus in the second panel there's nothing him. there's nothing spherical about this ice quote unquote well it's ball. moving very quickly yeah fine so, you know i get what you're saying but but yeah ice ball i think neil adams celebrates the company of men and if that's the case <laughs> that's fine because he's a based completely on his artwork yes I, or i i, I, I I can't disagree. Or he's just repressed. <laughs> and this is how he lives out his fantasies. I'm going to draw a big butt in this panel. I don't know why, but it just it just seems right. Neil, are you sure about this? Trust me. It's an action pose. <laughs> Nothing suggestive about it. Well, anyways, they uh, catch the frog guy, Amphibious. Uh, Beast threatens him. Um, well, the frog guy is like... He who called the he who he who is called the creator will be angry if you have harmed that one. <laughs> he 
now he will need a new chief assistant and also a vice chef. Yeah. So I guess he's then, he's vying then, for that lieutenant position. Yeah. Uh, and so he, he says, if you don't point us to the master right now, we're going to punch you in the face. And um, so, so, so he just points at a door. <laughs> he's, he's through that door. See that door there? The only door in the room? Yeah, he's through there. You, you probably wouldn't have noticed if I hadn't pointed it to you. Hey, but guys. It's, it's over there. You guys, you think we should check out that door? <laughs> Beast is a little skeptical. Could be a trap. <laughs> but then Cyclops is like, we're ready for anything and anybody. Still, this setup, this group of evil mutants, it all smacks of one man whom we all thought were dead. Hmm. This just seems a little easy, a little too easy. Leave it to Cyclops to always kind of figure out at the last moment exactly what's going on. I feel like he recently did this in another issue as well. Oh, it was the uh, Sauron issue. Like, well, he picked the path of evil, but in the end he was able to redeem himself, and that's all that we can hope for. It gives us a little bit of hope for mankind. (laughs) And yes, Magneto opens up the door and says, I'll keep you in suspense no longer, stripling. You are prisoners, captives of the mightiest mutant of all, Magneto. Magneto. (laughs) Kesar detects an unspeakable evil radiating from Magneto. All righty. But then the X-Men notice that Angel is uh, standing there blankly, and they, they wonder why. And Magneto immediately reveals... A, the, the mutant that he's been creating is a woman with very long hair, and um, he calls her Lorelai, and uh, she she sings to the X Men. So just like that, I I have a little anecdote, a little sidetrack, if you don't mind. Uh, I believe we'll find out at the end of the X or at the end of this issue what happens to all of these mutants, but I believe. Lorelai continues on in the Marvel universe. I think they all do. Oh, do they? They may. They may all. But um, when I first came across her name, and I don't know where it was—if it was in another comic book or if it was just maybe in the uh, Marvel, the official handbook to the Marvel superhero, or no, the the Marvel superheroes role-playing game—one of the two. Uh, again, remember how I was talking a couple of issues ago or episodes ago about my lazy reading and my lazy pronunciation skills. Mm-hmm. Well, rather than reading this as Lorelai or Laura Lee or something like that, I called her Lorielli. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, it just seemed seemed right, seemed like it fit. And I never, until reading this issue, you know, 15, 20 years later after like really reading X-Men comic books, it wasn't until now that I was like, that doesn't say Lorielli at all. <laughs> okay. So it's it's you think it's Lorelai? It's definitely Lorelai. Okay, it's, oh, that's like a common name. Is it? Yeah, yeah I, just I, think a, so. I guess I was just a stupid kid. <laughs> well, she used to be a mindless swamp savage, but Magneto was able to turn her into a neo mutant by uh, tapping into the power of the South Magnetic Pole. So Magneto is able to harness the power of the magnetic poles with his magnetic powers to alter the DNA, maybe, of these people to create mutant powers? Yeah, I didn't really think about it that much. Basically, Magneto creates mutants using crazy magnetics. doesn't make any sense, <laughs> but nothing Magneto does make sense, to be, to be fair. Yeah. I you know uh, yeah I, I guess I can burrow through rock in this issue. I can read because the plot calls for it. <laughs> I can read minds because the plot can call for it. I can create mutants. Yeah, you know it's it's uh it's things like this where you know you go fast forward like twenty years and you'd be like, well, why doesn't Magneto just go back to the South Pole and create more mutants? <laughs> <laughs> well, because if he did that every issue, it just wouldn't be entertaining. But I mean, in real life, wouldn't isn't that all you all you would do? Like, well, that batch of mutants didn't work out, so I'm going to create some new ones. Well, until the X-Men create a, a magneto, magneto repellent ray. And oh. And just leave it all over the Savage Lands so that I, uh, 
Magneto can never return. Magneto goes to the North Pole, and he's like, ooh, I just tapped into the North Magnetic Pole, and these are even more powerful mutants. Oh, but with the North Pole, all you can do is turn mutants into regular humans. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, so apparently Lorelai's powers is uh, she's kind of like a, a, a siren or one of those people that bewitches men. What are they, they called? Harpy? She's a harpy. Which totally works on the X-Men. Um, but not especially, especially Beast in this panel. Oh, Beast is he? He almost goes into like a beast-like trance there with that with that big upper lip of his. Oh, but uh, girl, pretty Marvel girl, not susceptible to this BS. You know, uh, I have a question. So, I mean, if she's a uh, if she's truly a harpy, and I think I'm saying that right, that's that's one of those or a nymph, right? One of the two. I, I think I think we were right with Siren. Siren, I can't tell. the woman that sits on the rocks and makes pirates crash their boats because they're uh, or, or who was the 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 uh they were sirens that that um ruined Odysseus's odyssey, right? Yeah. Or almost did. I mean they they're all like bewitched by her spell. Um mm-hmm. so but I think that's because she's calling out to the opposite sex or calling out to uh people that are interested in her goods if you will. So I'm kind of curious why Beast is uh entranced by this. Oh. <laughs> Well, uh, since since this is like the mutant version of uh, of 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 a siren, it it directly uh, hits males. Oh, okay. So it it goes to the the actual. So chromosome. he's just biologically a male, and therefore oh, okay, susceptible to it. So Mar- otherwise, otherwise he would be like, oh, she's not that attractive. <laughs> Guys, what's what's wrong with you? I, oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm I'm so turned on by her. Yeah. Yeah, she's hot, guys. Am I fitting in yet? Uh, so Magneto uh, um, chides Marvel Girl and says, "Do you think I've forgotten about you? I knew you wouldn't be affected by this." Um, with this device, he can create countless neo mutants enough to conquer a world. And if Marvel Girl resists him, then he will destroy her. And rule alone, but she could join him and reign by his side. What the hell? Whoa! I think Magneto just proposed a Marvel Girl. <laughs> well, I, I think he means all of the X Men, but oh, okay. But yeah, yeah, okay. It's a weird yeah. panel of Magneto or uh, Marvel Girl pulling away from Magneto and Magneto's hand, just reaching out. But wait, I wanted to hold that arm. I definitely put it in a fate worse than death category. In other words, Magneto, the answer is no. And she grabs a table and throws it at, uh, telekinetically throws it at Magneto's Magneto's big machine, to which Magneto pulls out some guns and blasts it. Never! (laughs) And he, yeah, he pulls out, he's like a quick shooter. He pulls out guns from his holster that are, I think, connected to his tubes. Yeah, he's like the magnetic cowboy. Now I forgot. Have we? Uh, have we? Oh no, no. Okay, we get to this in a moment because you know we we really still haven't answered why Magneto is in all of this tubing and metallic robotic equipment that he's in. Um, in a space cowboy outfit. Yeah, sure. That's or his cable outfit, whichever way you want to look at it. Uh, but Magneto's like, uh, that stupid table, I just took that thing out. What's wrong with you, woman? With my space pistols. <laughs> and, and then Marvel Girl's like, well, yeah, I, I see that I made a mistake there, but I'm going to throw this torch at you. And then Magneto has a portable jetpack, and he flies into the air and dodges the torch. That's handy. And then she throws something else at him. So that means and, that Mag- um, Magneto was able to refine some oil that he found into gasoline and throw it into his little portable jetpack that he was able to fabricate with his magnetic powers. Secondary mutation. Or did he send Brainchild up to the surface to go get him gas and jetpacks and stuff? Or maybe Forge is working for mm. Magneto unknown to all of us. Oh my gosh. What a twist that would be. <laughs> I smell retcon. <laughs> uh. So Marvel Girl's starting to get tired, and mm-hmm. Magneto is aware that she's eventually going to get tired if she if she, if she keeps throwing like stuff mentally at him. So he uh, she starts slowing down, and she's like, "This looks like a curtain call, unless." And then he pulls out his pistol, 
and says, uh, you would not have survived this long if I had not, if I did not have to curtail my magnetic powers in the midst of this delicate apparatus. Oh. You see, the devices on my arms act to drain off most of my own magnetism. Thus, I'm forced to dispose of you by more conventional means, um, i.e. this pistol. <laughs> uh, uh, what? My weapon smashed by one of Cyclops' force beams. That's right. Cyclops blasts Magneto's gun out of his hand, or does he? But how? But how, Magneto? But who? My mind over matter powers can also operate Sykes' visor. Whoa. No. No, you're you. Wait. It looks like Marvel Girl is saying this, but it's no, no. You're using his optic blasts to mo- to demolish a work yeah, of life. There's to- a mistake with the word balloon here. Yeah, Laura Lee feels so strange, like she'll be coming out of a deep sleep. She looks so innocent there. Yeah, she's she's just an energy savage mutant. You know, or savage savage uh, girl. This is there's been I'm. This comic book's not over. It's almost over, but I'm I'm extremely let down. The cover has a woman in a machine. Uh, there was a panel of Angel like, no, it can't be. And we get this girl who comes out, sings a song, and then is like, oh, I'm tired. <laughs> like, what a let... Lorelai is tired. Ugh. It's like all this buildup for absolutely nothing. Well, this was I, I somehow Magneto figured by creating Lorelai he would be able to conquer the world. I'm not I'm not sure if he really thought his plan out. Maybe but. he's like, I'll put her on TV and bewitch all the men in, in the United States and then just 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 those dumb women will be around and they'll they'll be no problem for me. I can take them out. Have we ever seen any savage men in the Savage Land? Or savage women rather? I don't think I don't think so. So maybe that was his plan to take over the Savage oh, Land. Oh, use Lorelai to take over the Savage Land. Gotcha. Okay. Well, anyways, uh, Magneto's all like, I'm going to destroy you because I'm mad now. And so now I'm going to... He realizes that if Lorelai is waking up, the X-Men are going to wake up. So he starts... He grabs the debris of his machine and with his remaining magnetic power attempts to crush Cyclops. But Cyclops wakes up and uh, and Magneto's power is not strong enough, and it just collapses in front of Cyclops, to which Cyclops is like, negative! Oh, yeah! It's too late for you, Magneto. Magneto? Yes! Magnetron? <laughs> too late! Too late! Too late to do anything but die! At which point Magneto brings down the remainder of his machine onto himself. He fell beneath I, the crumb. killing himself again. Magneto's dead again. He fell beneath the crumbling wreckage. Let's get out of here, X-Men, before this place goes up in flames. We made it, but there's not much hope for Magneto. This time, I think he died with his dreams. Oh, you think? <laughs> Why don't you go check? Why don't you go get a body? Why don't you go get his body and burn it? There's no need for that. Oh, I'm sure he's dead. Let's go, X-Men. To the mansion! Oh, and Kesar comes back out of, I don't know where he was, but he's like, oh, all the strange ones turning back into simple savages. So this is where, you know, Brainchild and Lorelai and Amphibious, we were saying we didn't know if they went on. I mean, maybe they do eventually, but in this panel, they're all kind of reverting back to the Swamp Savages. Amphibious is a weird looking dude. He's a total weird looking dude. Or maybe he's like in the middle of a transformation. (laughs) No, I'm pretty sure that's just what he looks like. He's a swamp. He's a swamp savage. Cyclops says, "Ah, oh, they're, they're they're transforming back, so they'll be happier now that they're back to normal." And and Kesar is like, "Will they? Who could be happier to lose vast powers which set them apart from other men and beasts?" And Cyclops, well, Cyclops says, "Did you say who?" Offhand, Kesar, I can think of at least five people without even trying. And then Beast says the stupidest line of the entire issue. And their initials, Jungle Man, are the X-Men. To which I say, Beast, those aren't initials. (laughs) Well, the X stands for extra power. Yeah, still. Okay, but I want to just... DXM, if you wanted to say (laughs) DX-Men. I want to... Okay, so Kesar says, will they? Who could be happier? 
to lose vast powers which set them apart from other men. I don't understand that sentence. Yeah, it's it's not a very uh, grammatically correct uh, structure of a sentence, but he's just ba- he's basically he's basically saying they're losing their powers. That sucks. They're gonna hate it. I think I, that's the intent is for him to be like, hey man, they were powerful and now they're not. That's that's terrible. That's awful. But the way I read it was like, who could be happier? Who could be happier to lose vast well, powers? You're, you're doing the wrong. You're doing the wrong inflection. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. Who? Wait, let me let me think about this and then say it right. Who could be happier? There. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. No, that no, that's it. Will they? Who could? Okay, let me add some words. Who could possibly be happier to lose vast powers which set them apart from other men? There. That's a comparison. Who could be happier? The man who loses vast powers or the man who has vast powers? No, but it's not. I mean, well, maybe I, he doesn't say maybe that. Grammatically it is, but but that's not what's being that's not what's being intended. I know. Well, I I know, but I I'm just it's it's a puzzling sentence and it didn't have to be puzzling. How could anyone be happier is what they should have said. How could anyone be happier? to lose vast powers which set them apart from other men. Still doesn't make sense. It makes it seem like losing the vast powers would make people happier. No. <laughs> that's what it reads to me. And I'm well, sure that that's not the intent, but still. You've already explained that you have a reading deficiency. Ah, <laughs> uh, good point. <laughs> all right, let's move on. Next issue, the most startling X-Men saga of all. Okay. Um... Mm, yeah, no title. I don't think Angel really wants to lose his power. I think Cyclops is speaking for the the rest of the team, and and they're like, actually, I I kind of I kind of like my power. <laughs> there was a letter in here. Insert edit point. There was no letter in the letters pages. Actually, Jeff, have any of you wondered if science fiction is good? Blah, 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 let's see. Number 16. Um, we get a, uh, in the letter section, we get a little description of why periods aren't used as often as exclamation points, because when it goes to the printing press, periods have a tendency of disappearing. Oh, interesting. But the exclamation points stay. There's a letter in here like, you guys use too many exclamation points. You need to take them out. And that's the reason why. I thought there was a... Hmm. A lot of complaints about the name Sauron being a J.R.R. Tolkien thing. Actually, one complaint and one approval. Yeah, I thought there was a letter in here that referred back to that Mark Gruenwald guy. Oh, yeah, there is. Oh. It's right here. In Ish 53, a fan named Mark Gruenwald, but I, 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 that's as far as I got. Oh, stated something about the ability of Angel to fly and blah, blah, blah. blah. This guy goes on to pontificate that uh, Angel's wings don't actually allow him to fly. He just happens to have wings, but he has a gland that allows him to abolish the effects of gravity, and that's why he can fly. But then he goes on to say that that doesn't necessarily make that much sense because he wouldn't have the uh, agility and, and dexterity that he does when he flies. But, eh. Wow. I just... Uh, to which the response is, no, no, no. Mm, we, no, that's all wrong. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> okay. Nice try. So there you go, issue number 63 uh, in the in the uh, in the can, uh, which is where it belongs because it sucks. On the tapes, <laughs> I was not a fan of of this, and you know, in general, I'm just not a fan of Savage Land stories. I don't know why, but they've got Zebu. And you know what? I'm I'm actually kind of um, I, I see a trend here. Um, not so much, I guess, with the Soren storyline because that was a original creation. But think about what Neil Adams did. Neil Adams came in and took over a comic book with established characters and kind of redid two stories. He redid a Sentinel story, created an original Sauron story, and then redid a Savage Land story. This is a 
trend that will continue for infinity when it comes to the X-Men. Well, that's like a comic book trope. I mean, uh, you every every writer or artist who comes on wants to do the classics. Yeah. So, but this is like Neil Adams got to do it first, I guess. I'm sure he was like, well, I want to do a Sentinel story. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Were they even classics at that point? Or was it like, oh, we could we could go back and do some. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think at this point in the X-Men's uh, storyline, anything was classic. I, I'm pretty sure that it was a title that was heading towards the dustbin. Because even the letters kind of talk about, well, this isn't your a, you know, your your greatest title, but it's pretty good, you know. A lot of people <laughs> raving for Neil Adams, but there was a, a period there where people were like, why can't you keep an artist? I read that um, when Neil Adams first came on, people were angry that Don, Don Heck was no longer the artist. Oh. Well, people are always angry about something. My yeah, theory, exactly. my theory is this. Uh, they got so many letters. They got like 90% of their letters were like, thank you for getting rid of Don Heck. We love Neil Adams. And then there was 10% were like, God, why did you get rid of Don Heck? And they're like, well, out of respect for Don Heck, let's publish these letters. Don, did you no, see? No, what I read was that they, they, they actually got, at first they got a ton of letters. Yeah. And then eventually the tide, the tide swayed. I'm saying that's a lie. <laughs> and they only did that uh, uh, to to make Don Heck feel better. No, I, it's probably not true. Don Heck had a, a well-established career at this point. He was well into comic books. Probably had quite the following from all of his years on various books. And his name was Don Heck. Well, folks, uh, if it isn't already the new year, then have a happy new year. And if it is the new year, I hope that you are having a happy new year. How's that sound? Jeez, I thought for a second you were going to say, if it is the Happy New Year, have a terrible time. Yeah, yeah, we, we are going to uh, the Danger Room's New Year's resolutions. First resolution is we are going to double our fan base in 2013. We don't have control over that. Well, it's a goal. We will put out more content in 2013 than we put out in 2012. Uh, can you promise that? Yeah, we had a couple of lapses. Okay. There you have it, folks. The, the, the promise is that... Adam and Jeremy will put out more content in 2013 than they put out in 2012. Are you talking only if no one keeps track? <laughs> Are you talking about like overall time or overall episodes? Uh, overall, I don't know, one of those. Okay, whichever, whichever comes true. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. Because we can come out with a heck of a lot of five-minute episodes of something. <laughs> all right. Well, until next time, the danger room is closed.